Amen. Thank you, Wendy. Well, hopefully you can hear me okay and this is all working. Um, apologies before when I was just stood there uh, not really knowing what was going on. I wonder though, who was your hero when you were growing up? Who did you admire? Perhaps it's when you're watching something on TV or something, somebody you read about in a book. Perhaps it was a friend of yours who lived down the street and who you spent time with. The old saying goes, you live with them until you get like them. As Amanda and I have journeyed through these last few years, we've discovered more about each other. We've both noticed the ways that we've changed and become more like one another. If you had a hero when you were growing up, perhaps you wanted to be like them. I'm going to let you into a secret now. When I was growing up, I was a huge fan of the original Power Rangers series. Most days in the school playground, my friends and I would play Power Rangers. But it usually started out as an argument as to who was going to play Tommy and who was going to play Jason, the two leaders of the team of five or six. Growing up in the schoolyard, I often thought about how much I would like to have a power morpher and be able to morph into something that had these wonderful abilities and was able to bring down the evil Rita Repulsa or in the later series, Lord Zed. It really captured my imagination as a youngster. And I thought, I want to be like those guys on TV. I used to watch as they went to the local juice bar together as a group of friends and spend time with one another. And they got to know each other really well. I wanted to imitate them when I was growing up. Well, today we pick up our journey through Ephesians, exactly where we left off a fortnight ago. If you remember, we explored how we need to change our behavior as we need to have the right mindset to change our hearts. We looked at how we live an authentic Christian life. In many ways, the split in the chapters that we had for the end of four and the start of five that's been put in by the translators is actually quite jarring, as we have to stop with Paul in full flow, and then we pick him up again today with him already in full flow. We actually need to read the start of chapter five with the latter part of chapter four in our minds. What's our behavior like? What is our attitude like? There will be work that we need to do in our hearts and our minds. And then we can achieve the end of chapter four. Be imitators of God. Four words that probably fill us with, in some ways, fear. How can we imitate God? It's not simply something that's so outrageous to hear. It is really daunting too. When we look at those four words, how can we possibly imitate God? I was thinking to myself, how can I possibly imitate God? I'm quick to judge. I regularly sin. I'm not the most gracious person, particularly when I'm behind a steering wheel in my car. Or, as Amanda will tell you, when I'm very tired. But Paul carries on, though. He says, be imitators of God and live a life of love. What does a life of love look like? It doesn't 
look like what Paul goes on to talk about in the following few verses about sexual immorality. In Paul's day, it's likely it wasn't very different to how things are now. In our Western culture, sex seems to be a word that attracts people's attention. Our society has become one where sex is seen far too frequently on TV, where one night stands are okay. Or indeed, if something's advertised as sexy, it's supposed to sell it more. That was similar to Paul's day, which without the TV advertising. But in Paul's day, there was this sense of sexual immorality. Some religions in Paul's day would use sexual practices for their welcome rituals. And it was seen that those who were enlightened could do what they want. In our society, there seems to have been a massive shift away from what the Bible teaches us. The idea of staying celibate until marriage seems so strange to people outside the Christian circle. Not living together until you are married is just beyond the comprehension of most people. It seems to be the societal norm now that you move in together, you have children, and then you get married if it feels right. It really saddens me, though, that when I looked at the marriage register in Curacy, Amanda and I were the only couple with different addresses to be married in over four years. Society has gone to the extreme and moved so far away from biblical teaching on something that is reserved for marriage only that it'll be hard to bring it back. I think that warning that Paul tells us about at the start of Ephesians 5 is just as relevant today as it was back when this letter was first penned. After all, it's a topic that people shy away from because it's uncomfortable to talk about. Yet for those of us who profess Jesus Christ as Lord, Scripture is very clear on the matter. We have made it something that it isn't. Paul then cuts to the heart of the issue in verse six. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Do not be brought into disobedience and do not partner with them. We need to remember there are so many things out in the world that are there to try and trip us up, to move us away from living a life worthy of the calling that we have received. We have to stand firm in the truth of scripture. We have to make sure that we are not being deceived by the ways of the world. Paul carries on and reminds us that we too were once in darkness, but now we are light. And to remind us to live in that way, to live in the light of the Lord. He continues in verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What things do we do in our own lives, which are fruitless deeds of darkness? Where in our own lives do we need to bring them to the cross, lay them down before Jesus so that we can do just as Paul says and be imitators of God? What parts of our lives are not being lived in the light? Now, I don't mean to sound harsh. But if you're listening today and thinking, well, I don't have any areas like that, friends, I'm afraid you're deceiving yourself. Because we know that Jesus was the only person to walk this earth who was completely sinless. We know that we often fall into temptation or sin 
And we need to confess and seek God's forgiveness. It's one of the reasons why it's so important to confess together as we begin our services so that we can be free to worship the Lord, forgiven and restored as people of the light. In many ways, this passage should serve as a warning to us about the dangers of living a life of the world. Paul doesn't mess around with his words. He very deliberately goes to the heart of why it is important to live a life that's worthy of being a disciple. He makes the point again in verse 15 onwards, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This reminds us that as we journey on as Christians, we need to be tuned in to what the Lord is asking of us. In each and every situation that we come across, are we doing the Lord's will? Or are we allowing ourselves to get in the way and being unwise? When we get in the way of the Lord's will in the church, that's when things start getting messy. That's when things start to go wrong. Because when we, get, when we do things in our own strength, in our own will, it's an opportunity for the enemy to jump in. And he will stir things up even more because he knows it's an area which could lead to disruption within the church. And indeed, disunity, as we explored earlier in Ephesians, living together in unity in Christ. Now, I'm not saying we all need to be perfect in church, because that simply isn't the case. As Nicky Gumbel says, the church is a hospital for the wounded, not a museum of perfect people. We will fail. We will make mistakes. But that's not the issue. The issue is if we don't do anything about it. The most important part is what we do when things go wrong. Do we point the finger and hold a grudge? Do we look down on someone who has wronged us and think we know better? Do we actually forgive and move on? Remember, forgiveness is not about forgetting, but it's about reconciling with our brother or sister something which is very important in the church. It's a whole reason why we have the peace before communion. The peace is originally there not to go around and give everybody a handshake or a hug or a kiss, pre-COVID, of course. But the peace is there so that we can go to somebody who has wronged us, go to somebody who we have wronged and make peace before we come to the Lord's table. That's why it's so important in a church setting. Paul gives us a further reminder. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Are we filled with the Spirit? Are we filled with the Spirit so that we can speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs, just as Paul says? Or are we running on empty? Are we running on dry? Because we've not been back to the Lord and sought the Spirit to fill us up once again. Paul reminds us here that we are supposed to use psalms, hymns, and songs. 
Singing and music has been an integral part of the church since the early days. Singing, whether aloud or in our hearts, is clearly something that was important to Paul. It wasn't simply a nice little add-on that the churches do. It was crucial. The singing that Paul had in mind is the ultimate antidote to live in in the darkness of immorality that pervades the surrounding world. Paul doesn't see hymns and songs as simply decorative, but as a way of practicing the faith. After all, when we sing those songs together, when we're allowed, when we sing in our hearts, they help to stop our heart and our mind wandering off into the realms of darkness. If we sing together, if we have those songs in our hearts and in our minds, then they're well stocked with wise and thankful themes. The songs we sing at church, the songs you might sing at home or in the car if you listen to worship music, they're not there merely for entertainment as the rest of the music culture is. We don't go to, to like New Wine or Spring Harvest to find out the wonderful bands and listen to the music. Yes, it's great. Don't get me wrong. But we are not there merely to be entertained by them, as you would be if you went to a festival. We go to gather the church together to sing and fill our hearts and our minds with things of the Lord. So that when those deceits come, when those things that try to trip us up come, we can hold firm to the faith that we have. We don't come to church to sing because it feels good. We do it because the songs we sing instruct us, console us, warn us, and give us hope. Basically, Paul is reminding us that we need to see every day, every hour, and every minute as an opportunity for serving the Lord. That's what he says in this chapter. We need to understand his will, and we need to get on with it. After all, we're great in the church of talking the talk. But we need to go beyond talking the talk and actually put those words into action and move forward with these things. We need to understand the will of the Lord and we need to get on with doing it. We do, however, need to make sure we don't slip into the mindset of constantly doing things and never relaxing we need to make sure that we always allow ourselves time to simply be with God and rest in his presence. Essentially, we need to learn how to worship. And in this sense, worship is so much more than the songs that we sing. As Paul tells us at the end of this reading, to do the Lord's will, to have those things in our minds ready for when the deceits come. Obviously, as we know, over these last few months, we've been unable to sing aloud in church. We need to learn again that worshipping in any format is an excellent way forward. That our worship isn't just confined to the music, but that actually our service is in the liturgy. Our service is in the reading of scripture. Our service is in expanding the word of God together. Our worship is everything that we do on a Sunday and everything that we do outside of a Sunday that is in the name of the Lord. It allows us to relax into the love of God and to be filled with the Spirit. 
if we get too busy and too informal and too frenetic in lifestyle, it doesn't allow us the space to encounter God. But when we have set things out, when we use the words that have been given to us down the years, when we look at scripture, that gives us the opportunity to make way for the spirit to work. We can't get so set in our ways that we always and only do it one way. Because worship is not about that. Worship should not be something that reinforces bad patterns of behavior. Worship is something that needs to be true and from the heart, like Paul tells us, so that we can be filled with the Spirit. It's a fine line to tread, and we often get the balance right. We need to follow a standard pattern in our lives, but not be, not be confined to that. We almost need to see it as a skeleton, if you like. And the way that we express our worship in any particular week is the flesh on that skeleton. Because that then, friends, allows us the freedom to worship and to engage with what the Lord wants to do each week. Essentially, Paul wants every Christian to know what it's like when the Spirit fills our hearts and our lives, and particularly our minds and imaginations. Paul reminds us that we have to use all the resources of the Christian faith to do this. We have the Bible. That's where it all begins. We have songs. We have hymns. We have poems. We have liturgy. We throw that all into the mix, and that encourages to engage with the Lord. But why is all of that important? Well, Paul's already told us. Because the world we live in is a dark place. We are people who live in the light. We can bring light to those around us. Of course, we will all fall short of this and return to darkness on occasions. But it's important that we don't beat ourselves up for it. We don't dwell on it because that's what the enemy wants us to do. We need to come back to the Lord and seek his forgiveness. We need to come before the Lord and say, I'm sorry. We need to come before the Lord and actually receive that forgiveness and not hold on to the grudges that we may carry. This morning, I want us to engage and pray that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit once again. But before we do that, I want us to spend time in lament and then forgiveness so that we can be prepared to be filled with the Spirit. After all, we've talked so much in recent years about a revival that's coming, but are we truly prepared for it? In the same way, when we want to be filled with the Spirit, are we truly prepared for that? Or do we need to take some time on our own first with the Lord to get ourselves right so that he can then use us? We've heard the song a few times now, We Seek Your Kingdom, and that line, transform, revive, and heal society. I think that is a prayer for society in this day and age. But actually, I think we need to take a step back before we get to that and be actually praying, transform, revive, and heal me. Because it all starts with us. We need to get ourselves right with the Lord. We need to be transformed. We need to be revived. We need to be healed. And when we can do that in the church, we can then bring God's transformation, God's revival and God's healing to those who we encounter. 
So firstly, this morning, I want us to spend a bit of time in lament. Lament is very much a part of our worship because it's rooted in the biblical tradition. Lament grows out of the belief that God made the world full of his glory. And despite its sorry state, God will put things right. It includes the pain of the world and the wrongs that we have done and saying plainly to God, things shouldn't be like this. So friends, as we move into a time of of prayer in a moment, I want to encourage you, be blunt with the Lord this morning. Tell him exactly those things which aren't right. Don't be afraid because he already knows. And as we do that, lament, the lament that we bring will bring hope. Because God is the creator who is at work, restoring and repairing the world. Lamenting before God allows us to become more fully human and reflect the image of the, of the living God where the world is in pain, which brings us full circle to the start. Be imitators of God. There is no need for us to pretend that the world isn't painful. We face up to the pain. And we hold it up in the presence of God so that it becomes fresh and creative hope. So we need to spend time lamenting the pain that perhaps we feel. And then we need to forgive. Something that's so easy to say but hard to do. We might be angry with how things have gone, how things are, how things are in the world at the moment when there's so much going on. Maybe we're angry with things that have happened to us in the past. Well, anger is not a good basis for hope and being filled with the spirit. And I think that's where society has pervaded into the church because society is a blame culture now. We assume that we have to be right. If anyone makes us feel ill at ease, we cast ourselves as victims and don't give that up. So we look down on others then and feel that we're morally superior. We create an illusion of a trouble-free world. And that, friends, is not true Christianity. That's not the Christian living that Paul has been talking to us about in the end of chapter 4 and chapter 5 today. We have to forgive. Otherwise, wrongdoers remain in the wrong and we become resentful. We need to learn to lament and forgive, not just for our own sakes, but for the sake of the world. We need to receive that forgiveness ourselves through Jesus from God. So as well as asking you, where do you need to lament this morning? Do you need to be blunt with God and say, actually, this is wrong? I also want to ask you, where is it that you need forgiveness this morning? What have you done wrong in the past that you need to admit to the Lord to receive his forgiveness? It's basically saying to the Lord, what happened to me was wrong, but it won't shape who I am going forward. We need to look to see what went wrong, and then we have to resolve not to do it again. What is it that you need to lament this morning? What is it that you need to seek forgiveness for? Or do you need to forgive someone who has wronged you? I want to encourage you to do that this morning. I'm going to take some time to just pray, to lament, to receive God's forgiveness 
And then we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us up. Because as we give those things over to God, we need to then be filled up with the Holy Spirit. We give to God the things that trouble us. And then we get filled up so that we can be transformed, revived and healed ourselves. And we can then bring that out into society. And when we do all of that, that enables us to live up to the last verse of today's reading. It enables us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because we hand over to God the things that harm us, the things that hurt us. And then we submit to one another. So I know I'm not with you this morning in person, but I'm going to invite you, whether you're at home or in church, to stand. And I want, I'm going to invite you to hold your hands out as a sign of being willing to receive from God and that you really want to do business with him this morning. I want to encourage you to spend time lamenting for the pain that perhaps you're carrying, that you've been harboring, maybe for just a week, maybe for a month, maybe for a year, maybe for 10 years. And then I want you to spend time seeking God's forgiveness. As we do this, Josh is going to play some music quietly in the background. Just take that time with the Lord this morning. And then we'll pray for the Lord to send his Holy Spirit and to fill us up. So Father, as we come before you this morning, we take this opportunity to lament all the things that are wrong, all the things that are wrong in our own lives, all the things that are wrong in your world. Father, we want to be really honest with you this morning and tell you all those things that really hurt us. We want to give this back to you, Lord, and not hold on to it any longer. We want to offer you the things that we've done wrong. And we seek your forgiveness. We ask for you to come and forgive us. Perhaps it's somebody we need to forgive this morning. And Lord, we ask you to show us who we might need to forgive ourselves to receive your forgiveness. So that we can then submit to one another in reverence for Christ. And Father, as we hand these things over to you, I want to pray for your Holy Spirit to come and fill us up, fill us up afresh, fill us up to overflowing so that we can be that voice in the world. We can be the voice of Scripture. We can be the voice of Jesus. We can be your voice. We can be your hands and your feet into society, which is so far removed from what we know it should be. 
Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come and fill us afresh. I was preparing and praying for today. I just had a, a picture of almost a wall and how obviously walls are made of bricks and how we each are a brick in the wall that we build on one another. That obviously as each brick uh, takes the strain and weight of the one above, that we have to do that as a church. That actually we need to be alongside one another that we each have something to bring and that if one brick's not there, the wall falls down. So I just pray into that, Lord. I pray that we can be a united church moving forward. That as we lament and as we forgive, as we get filled up by the Holy Spirit, that not only will you transform, revive, and heal us, but you'll transform, revive, and heal the church. Come and have your way, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. If you're engaging with the Lord, I just want to encourage you to stay in that position. Stay in that surrender. Receive from him this morning. We're going to carry on our service as Amanda leads us in intercessions. But don't leave church or this place where you are if you're at home without having done business with God. I know in the church there'll be people available to pray with you if you, if you would like that. But do business with God. Stay in that place of surrender as long as you need to. So we carry on with our prayers that Amanda will lead. <laughs> 